This podcast is brought to you by Avast Business, a global leader in cloud-based network protection with solutions built for MSSPs looking to provide round-the-clock protection for clients while increasing profits. Visit avast.com slash business slash partners slash MSP to learn more. You're entering the MSP Zone, a podcast for the managed services community, covering news, analysis, and interviews from around the globe. Elevate your MSP game by staying in the MSP Zone. And now, your host, Charles Weaver. I love it when we get to talk about novel concepts in the managed services profession, things that we have really not talked about before, um, issues, uh, potential things that could happen within your managed services practice that really don't get talked about a lot in the channel uh, much or, or if at all. And I am certainly not familiar with that many conversations that we have had as a profession uh, around our topic uh, for today. And I'm going to get into that uh, momentarily. Um, we're joined by Rob Scott uh, from Scott & Scott LLP uh, down in, in Dallas, Texas. Rob, how are you, how are you guys doing today? You guys still uh, shivering with the cold down there? We are, we are suffering here um, in a number of ways. I, I think that, you know, that it's all centered around we're not set up for these kind of storms. A snowing of three to five inches uh, can wreak havoc, and it certainly has. We've had um, power outages. We've got water treatment facilities that um, are not able to treat water due to their own power outages, and therefore, you know, all of, for example, Fort Worth is on boil water restrictions. Most uh, businesses are completely shut down. Um, it's been a uh, interesting storm uh you know i remember being in new york and a three to five inch you know powdery snow uh event was you know done by the lunch the next day um but this one has been lingering we had another uh winter storm come through last night and uh we seem to be getting behind it i think the biggest issue now is that people have lost power and uh you know obviously it's very cold and difficult to stay uh, warm and, and the ones that don't have uh, aren't completely without power everyone else is on rolling blackouts so oh wow your electricity will be on for an hour and then off for an hour you know just enough to keep your house you know between 50 and 60 degrees um but uh, it's it's been a it's been a big storm but uh, i'm fine everything is good with me i'm warm and cozy and um, had coffee and breakfast so i'm among the the lucky uh a lot of people are suffering here, and um, hopefully they'll get services restored quickly. Well, we we appreciate you appreciate the update. Appreciate you, uh, you know, being on on the program today to talk about. Um, uh, I would say a, a fairly uh, important issue. And just to set the stage, we have talked about data breaches a lot, uh, a lot last year actually. You know, and you and I have talked about this this topic of what does an MSP do when they have a data breach. Today we are going to talk about data breaches with a twist. So if you're tuning in and saying, oh, come on, not another data breach podcast, no, no, no. you're going to want to stick around for this, okay? What we are talking about today is the concept of the MSP supply chain vendors, right? MSPs service their customers 
We've talked about what to do when the MSP thinks that they've had a breach, what to do with their customers, how to communicate, all that. We've, we've talked about that in, in previous uh, episodes. Today, we're talking about the MSP's supply chain, their vendors. It could be a backup vendor. It could be a security vendor, an RMM vendor, a ticketing vendor. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. If it's a vendor to the MSP, what does the MSP do when those vendors or one of those vendors is hit by a breach or thinks they've been hit by a breach? That's what we're going to talk about today. And our friend Rob Scott is going to um, help us understand what uh, some of these issues uh, mean and kind of how to approach uh, being somewhat proactive about uh, risk mitigation um, related to data breaches in your vendor supply chain. So, Rob, let, let's just set the stage for uh, those uninitiated listeners out there who may not be that familiar with data breach law as it stands here in, in the various 50 United States. Could you give us a, a short, just, you know, kind of your take on where we are with, with data breach requirements? Yeah, so, so data breach laws vary across the states. Uh, almost all states have their own version of a data breach notification law that would govern any data incident, data breach incidents that involve citizens of that state. So, you frequently in a data breach have to figure out where everybody is from because you've got a variety of state laws that you need to look at in order to determine what the breach notification requirements are in each jurisdiction where uh, affected um, parties reside. In addition to that, there are certain federally regulated industries, most notably uh, healthcare and uh, financial services, which each carry through their regulatory regimes, a breach notification rule that in many instances is in lieu of the state law requirements. Um, in some instances, it would be in addition to. But usually, uh, the state laws are written such that if an entity is governed by federal breach laws, the state laws don't apply. So you, I would characterize the state of breach notification laws as being a hodgepodge of mostly individual state laws with also um, some international law with GDPR, for example, and then the federal uh, legislation for the more regulated industries like healthcare and financial services. Okay. So, so, so for those of you who are just, you know, still trying to make sense of this, you're an MSP, you get hit by a ransomware. You, you have a good old-fashioned cyber attack and, and you, you are breached. You, you have an obligation, as Rob just said, in most of those, I, I, it's hard-pressed to think, Rob, of any situation where they wouldn't have to make a, a, a disclosure, but if they know that they've been breached, it's a pretty cut-dried case of that, then there's likely going to be a notification requirement um, event at some point, correct? That's right. I mean, the things to think about when you're trying to determine, you know, whether you have a security incident or a privacy incident, you know, the latter involving, you know, a legal determination. The, the, it's important to understand, like, what is the data that went missing? And who does it belong to? But in your hypothetical, assuming there's personally identifiable information uh, contained on the computer or computers for which there's been a compromise, then you would have a breach notification obligation 
uh, under most state laws. Okay. So if that's clear to everybody out there, uh, and, and it should be, I mean, we, we've, we've known about this for, for a number of years. You've, you've listened to Rob at MSP World and other, other times uh, talk about this topic. Now let's add the twist, which is you are an MSP, you're servicing your customers, and one of your vendors downstream to your customer reaches out to you and says, we think we were breached or we know we were breached. Rob, how does that change from the first scenario we talked about? What, if anything, has changed in that scenario that would would change how an MSP proceeds? Well, you know, in that situation, um, the breach notification obligation, if any, if any, would be limited to the customer, not the end user but the MSP's client. So we're talking about, for example, a notice obligation to a a limited subset or all of the MSP's customers, but that doesn't, under breach notification laws, extend to the customer's customers. But uh, Rob, let, let let me stop you right there. It could be argued, could it not, that the that the MSP in the contract between the vendor and the MSP, the MSP is the client, are they not? I mean, are, you, are we talking about the end the users of the MSP? So the MSP is the client, and you're hypothetical. The vendor discharged its notice obligation by sending the notice to the MSP. And, and they're safe. And, they're, and uh, under that hypothetical, the vendor has fulfilled its obligation and the MSP has been duly notified. Most likely, yes. What about the end user? Do, do, do The end user still has not been notified in this hypothetical. And the question arises, what if any obligation does the MSP have to notify uh, the... Um, its customer and cooperate with it to determine what extent notice is required to the end user's customers. So I, this is why it's such a difficult issue. Rob, I, 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 I see two real distinct sides of this, right? And, and this is going, going back to that, you know, law school, law school days of being able to argue both sides. On the one hand, you could see that the end user, the, the managed services customers, the MSPs clients, would have some measure of, hey, I'd, I'd like to know if, if some of the vendors that my MSP is using uh, were breached because that I, I, I want to know. I, I want to be able to protect myself. But on the other hand, um, the, the law doesn't prescribe for that right now, it sounds like. There are some statutes that incorporate a third-party agent component that says if you're a third-party agent, and in this context, I think um, some MSPs might be, but they might not be. If you're a third-party agent, the obligation to you is to notify your customer. And you can, if you choose to notify the end users on your customer's behalf, but under most 
state laws, for example, Florida, it has a third party agent requirement. And it says basically, if you meet the definition of a third party agent and there's an incident, your obligation is to notify your customer so that it can then discharge its obligations to notify the end user customer. That seems like a stretch to, to, to claim that an MSP is an agent on behalf of its customers. Uh, I, I may be misreading that, but what, what I mean, think about, I mean, who, who's hiring the vendor? Well, the, the MSP is hiring the vendor to perform services for the customer. It sounds like agency. It, is the is the flour manufacturer supplying the baker with the flour an agent to to the baker? I don't think so. I, I, the question is: Is that the right analogy, or is it more the analogy of you know the real estate agent going and transacting business on behalf of the principal? Well, okay. So, so in, in one of those situations, the realtor, the, there, there is a, you know, a, some would say a fiduciary duty, but there's an agency created by the contract that allows the realtor to act on behalf of the, of the, uh, of the client. But I'm not aware of MSP agreements, maybe, but I mean, you would know this better than a lot of people. Um, do typical managed services agreements call for agency relationships between MSP and their clients? I would say no. And frequently there's some language that says no, that it's not an agency. It's that there's no, you know, agency relationship. So it's a good, good segue here, Charles, to, 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 to talk about when you're evaluating one of these situations, in addition to any of the state or federal laws that may be implicated, you're also going to be looking at the contracts, the contracts between the MSP and the vendor that had the incident as well as the MSP and the end user. And a lot of the answers to the questions about what are the MSP's obligations and who owes what duties to whom and whether or not a particular MSP is a third party agent under a particular statute. All of those questions uh, will need to be um, informed by the contractual relationships between the various parties, including the MSP's contract with the vendor and the MSP's contract with its customer. I, I mean, I I see, I mean, I, I see a virtue of having the MSP be being transparent and informing the customers, especially if they could have or were impacted. But I also see that there's a there's likely, from what I'm hearing you say, Rob, a a, a good amount of work that the legislative bodies have to do in rewriting some of these data breach laws to, to make, to bring them current because there, there's, I think we've come across a major gap of, of, uh, of where MSPs fit into, to this whole ecosystem. What, 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 what say you? I agree. It also, you know, raises some risk management questions about who has to pay. You know, if it's murky, whose legal obligations, you know, if it's murky where the legal obligations arise, it's also um, murky in terms of who pays and how do they get that done. Um, for example, many MSPs carry uh, professional liability insurance with cyber liability coverage. You know, you want to be looking at your insurance to make sure that you have the right coverage in place, that, such that if there's a claim that arises by virtue of something that your vendor did, 
that that's included in your coverage. You're not going to be, you know, stuck out holding the bag with no coverage. Well, that that's so, that's just patently unfair. I mean, I think most MSPs and even customers would agree that the 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 MSP shouldn't be the indemnifier of all of its vendors through no fault of their own. They, they, they're left to remediate because I right. I mean, the, the vendors aren't going to go out there and do the remediation and, and, uh, and cleanup work. Right. I mean, that's most likely going to fall on the MSP. That's correct. But I, I do want to challenge you on one assumption that you've made regarding the perception of the market with regard to, who's responsible for failures by vendors hired by the MSP. You know, there is a relatively substantial part of the market that I encounter that says they're your vendors. We're hiring you. If you hire them, you have to be responsible for their performance. To me and you, that sounds ridiculous. Well, so this is the old, um, I invite you to my party and you bring five friends and your friends come in and destroy my house. And, and I say, Hey, look, I, you should be responsible because, you know, I invited you, not the five people. They, they came with you. You're responsible for them. I mean, that's, that's kind of my, my dumbed down version of that. One other way to look at it from an analogy perspective is the customer is saying it's analogous to you're building a house for me. You're hiring some subs to do some of the work or most of the work, but I don't know those subs. I'm relying on you to pick the ones that are going to be appropriate. And I expect you to cover, you know, if you can't get satisfied by the sub, then you've got to eat it. I'm not going to be responsible for a failure of your subs. That's on you. And so it is, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways to look at it. The way I look at it is this. When MSPs are coordinating the services of other providers, they're playing a coordination role for the customer. They're aggregating and bundling various technologies that enable them to service the customer. If the MSP wasn't there, the customer would have to have a direct relationship with that vendor. True. So, you know, it's like Azure. I can't tell you how many times end user customers want my MSP to give them uptime guarantees and other, you know, things that are typically offered by hosters. When the application or services in question involve public cloud infrastructure. If the customer didn't use the MSP to manage its Azure environment, it would have a contract with Microsoft. And, and would be told, no, you're not going to get that uptime guarantee. Exactly. And in either situation, the customer is in the same position. They're getting everything that Microsoft offers and nothing additional. To argue that the MSP is responsible would be to say that the customer then is entitled to everything that Microsoft offers and for the MSP to provide insurance for the Microsoft's performance. A, a, a bad situation all around. So, so Rob, I, I want to I bring our attention from, you know, we've probably got some scared MSPs out there thinking, well, whoa, how, how, you know, I, I, I never even thought about this. Is, you know, where do I go from here? Let's turn our attention to mitigation of risk. Let's talk about, 
you know, lowering the risk threshold for the MSPs and some good practical um, steps and, and guidance. I see two, insurance and I see, you know, the, the legal agreements. What about insurance? Where, where, where would you advise the, the MSPs? You know, what, what's the upside and downside related to their insurance as they have it right now? Well, you know, the key is to make sure that it covers your subcontractors. You know, if you're bringing in, as many of us are, a number of third parties that are coming to the table and we're reselling uh, other solutions, we need to make it abundantly clear that our coverage extends to those third party provider solutions that we're bringing to the table. And the coverage that I'm referring to is professional liability insurance with cyber liability coverage, the type of insurance that's offered through the MSP Alliance, the MSP uh, Alliance cloud and managed services policy it, for the professional liability is an example of the coverage that is in question. And the key would be to make sure that everything that you're doing is within the coverage grant with respect to your subcontractors. And that's going to be an important thing for the insurance. A, that you have adequate insurance in terms of dollar amount, and B, that it's covering all of your service delivery arrangements, including all of the arrangements that you're delivering through partners. Okay, that's, that's, that's good advice. Uh, contracts, what should they contracts do to, to, to update their contracts? About the contracts. One is, what does the contract say with the vendor? That contract needs to say, number one, you got to give me notice. Number two, I've got to have transparency around whether or not, you know, I don't want to have information asymmetry. You give me a notice that says your customers may be affected. I need the right to do an independent forensic examination as pertains to any incident involving my customers. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me, let me stop you there, Rob. I, you and I have talked on this program at least a handful of times about, you know, the, the legal inequities between the service provider channel and the vendors, especially the bigger ones like Azure and, and, uh, and AWS and, and Google, et cetera. You're talking about having some contract language that I'm guessing is not in the standard language that comes from these big vendors. And I'm guessing that the MSPs, most of them, aren't going to have the muscle or the leverage to be able to get them to modify. Is, is that true or is that not true today? Well, look, public cloud context, I think it's true. I'm not 100% sure whether these specific provisions would be covered. I, I can envision, for example, in the Azure context, I think you know Microsoft does have a contractual obligation to notify. Uh, they certainly are not going to allow you to do independent forensics. But but you can expect that if you get forensics from Microsoft, um, that's going to carry a little bit different weight than if it's a, a small RMM provider. So I, I think your leverage is going to depend on, um, you know, who you're negotiating with and what your relative bargaining power is and what their sensitivity is to these issues. I mean, you know, to me, an MSP is is foolish to resell somebody's stuff it's going to put them in a financial pickle like this because, you know, the potential liability here is way more than what you're getting paid on the margin to resell. I would rather have the MSP have the vendors contract directly with the customers and stay out of it if it's going to be 
that risky. So, so we could be okay. So I, I know you have more to talk about on the contract side, but just going back to this, the the, the MSPs refreshing or reviewing their agreements with their existing vendors. Uh, we could be seeing a lot of MSPs dump their vendors and say, look, it's just too risky for me. I'm just going to tell the customer to go deal directly with you because you're not giving me flexibility to, to, to protect myself. I mean, Correct. is that a potential outcome from, from this? Yeah, 100%. And it should be. Because if you're thinking about it from the MSP's perspective, you know, they're in the middle of this risk puzzle for which they're getting paid very little. <laughs> they're carrying a lot of risk uh, and there's very little upside. All right. So, all right. So I, I'm, I'm just processing this, Rob. And I, I, I think we're going to have to have you come back in future programs because this is, there's so many f- huge issues that are, mind-boggling uh, for our profession that that they deserve a lot more uh, time than, than we have today. Well, I want to get to the MSPs contracts with their with their customers. We've talked about the vendors. Now, what about the managed service providers agreements? Well, first and foremost, the MSPs contracts have to disclose and require the customer to consent to the use of third parties for delivering the services. Secondly, and, and without approval, you know, it's not a, if you get your approval, we can use them. It's, we have the right to use them. You acknowledge that we deliver the services through, you know, a series of third-party partners. Yeah. And furthermore, you acknowledge that your uh, rights with respect to those third-party services are governed by the terms of service of those providers and that we are not responsible for any uh, failures of any third-party hardware or software. So, so the, the, the MSP agreement to, the, to their customer says, if I use, I'm, I'm not picking on Azure, it's just their obvious one, but you know, we use Azure. If something goes wrong with, with Microsoft Azure, you, you, the client, are not going to hold me, the MSP, responsible for what my vendor, Azure, did. That's what you're talking about. That's exactly right. And then you also need to talk in terms of what, if any, notice obligations does the MSP have when it discovers that there may have been a data breach on behalf of the customer? And, you know, that may be in the confidentiality section of the contract. Many of our clients now have separate data processing terms, which are being required by various legal frameworks. And either in the data processing agreement or the confidentiality terms, there would be language that identifies the MSP's obligation to give notice. And it should be parallel with the legal obligation. There shouldn't be an obligation to give notice to a customer unless the applicable legal standard has been met. Otherwise, you have you know, an impossible way to determine you know, there's no bright line rules. So one of the areas um, that needs to be looked at is the customer contract. And is the, is, the, is the notice obligation of the MSP, does it tie to the language of the statute that is most likely to be in play if there's a breach? Um, and 
So that needs to be covered. The uh, obligation for the customer to indemnify and hold the MSP harmless for investigation costs, uh, for forensic services that are offered. If there's remediation, uh, the MSP contract should say if the customer is compromised, even if it's through a third party that we brought to the table, the customer could either uh, pay a ransom, for example, or pay us to remediate at our then normal hourly rates. In other words, remediation of data breach is not an in-scope service for managed services, but that needs to be made clear. Yeah, we're, we need more time. Uh, th this is... This is Rob. First, thank you for coming on the program today. This is such a monumentally important issue, and I think that it's something where we're on we're addressing this issue in a public forum, and we're finding out that most likely the the laws and the statutes that are out there today are probably not up to date to address the vast majority of these scenarios that I think you and I are. are are bringing up as, as hypotheticals and that that is just a, a gut feeling that I have um, yeah yeah I agree with you the other thing is Charlie as a practical matter it's hard to get the factual answers to this questions like what kind of data was on your customer server was there personally identifiable information as that term is defined under a particular law? Well, frequently, the, the MSP is never going to know that potentially because the vendor is not going to give them always, a, if it's a suspected data breach, there's going to be scant evidence to begin with. True. And the, and the vendor's, you know, uh, the vendor's uh, preference there is going to be to disclose as little as possible that would reveal guilt on their part. And that's why I think it's important to include in the vendor contracts where you can an obligation for the vendor to notify the MSP if there's an investigation related to a potential privacy incident. Well, because right now they could go through a whole investigation, conclude that for whatever reason, notice isn't required and the, the MSP doesn't get any notification and the MSP's customer doesn't get any notification and the MSP's end users get no notification. So, yeah, look, Rob, we're we're gonna we're gonna have you come back uh, in in, uh, in a short period here, and and we're gonna re resume this conversation because I think there's there's so many different side conversations and and issues that need to be more fully explored. But I, I just want to summarize everything for our listeners today. And, and especially if you guys are out there saying, whoa, what, what did I just listen to? Rob's advice. First of all, contact Rob. If you have any questions, reach out to him, his firm. They do excellent work. They support and, 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 uh, and represent a lot of MSP Alliance members uh, over the years. Uh, reach out to them. Uh, there'll be a link in the, uh, in the podcast uh, notes uh, for you guys to, to check that out. Check your insurance. Make sure that your insurance, in fact, as Rob said, covers cybersecurity events and make sure that it covers, you know, these types of data breach events with with your vendors. Um, and number two, make sure your agreements, both with your vendors and with your customers, 
are protecting your MSP practice. Can't stress that enough. We've been talking about that for 20 years, but here we are, you know, 21 years into the MSP Alliance and we're still talking about it. So it, it must be an important thing. Um, Rob, thank you for, for uh, joining us on this, uh, on, on what I, I hope is, a, is a, a warmer day than it has been down there in, in Dallas. And um, I hope you come back on the MSP Zone and we can continue the conversation. I look forward to it, Charlie. Thank you very much. This is Charles Weaver with the MSP Zone. Until next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a like. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you will get notified when future episodes are released. We will see you next time in the MSP Zone.